theyeshiva.net. So we'll begin today, Be'ezer Hashem, Amayim Amparshis Kairach, from the Balatanya, V'ovad Halevihu, that's page 109, the second column, or Daf Nunhe, column 2. If you go to Nunhe, column 2, or 109, on top it should say Kairach. V'ovad Halevihu. So just a little context, in Parshas Kairach, of course, you have the story of the mutiny, the revolution, the Mapecha, that Kairach and 250 leaders made against Moshe and Aaron. Following that comes the parsha known as Matnes Kohuna. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu that, um, so he says, Hashem tells Aaron, Rashi says he told Moshe to tell Aaron. He tells him the responsibilities of the Kayanim and the Leviim in protecting the Mishkan and serving in the Mishkan and taking care of the Mishkan and all of its details. And then he enumerates the Matnas Kohana, the various gifts that the Kayanim received. In Perikid Ches, Pasuk of Gimel, he speaks about the fact after the Kayanim received Trumas, and the Levium received Maestris, what's known as Truma and Maestris. And then the Pasuk says an interesting line, Lashon, that's the Maim, it begins, Perikit Ches, Pasuk of Gim. Va'avad halevi hu esavaydas ayal mayad. The Levi should serve and do the work in the ayal mayad, in the tent, in the Mishkan. And... Uh, they should not. They would not inherit uh, among the other Jewish people the land. They were given places to live. They weren't given real estate that they owned. But the language is va'avad halevi hu. Now, obviously, when you read this in Lashon Kodesh, you right away your ears perk up because the sentence is very difficult. You could say va'avad halevi es avodas oil mayad. The levi should do the avodin the oil mayad. Va'avad halevi hu es avodas al mayad. Who's the who? A man of English say the levi should serve he, the avod of the al mayad. The 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 structure is very difficult to understand. Now, obviously the Torah it's it's the Torah is saying va'avad halevi, the levi should serve who he, but it's completely superfluous. You said va'avad halevi es avodas al mayad. What's va'avad halevi who es avodas al mayad? So this, I mean, it's, it's one of these psukim, you see that there's a, a message here, and it's beyond the pshat, because the word who is completely, uh, s- uh, apparently unnecessary, superfluous, and furthermore, it, just dis- it would disturb the sentence. So the Zoyar asks a question. And the Zoyar says, Takedevenezer also asks, who ba'atzmai? He stood himself. Avad Alevi, don't don't send shluchim. You use Avad Alevi. Who? It's still difficult because it says that the Israel shouldn't do it. Fakir, they shouldn't come close, and the Levi should do it. So obviously, the Levi is not sending shluchim uh, from Yisrael. But that's um, the point is that the, the word who is difficult. So uh, the Zoya asks the question: What does who mean? The Zoya says. The pshat is va'avad halevi hu. The avoid of the levi is the, in the hu. The hu is not stam 
repeating the word, he should do it. The Levi is he. The Levi is in the who. What does this mean? So that's going to be the focus here. The Zoyar says in the Parsha, Parsha's Kairach, Shakol Avedis Halavim, Hainu Lahamshech Mabchinis Hu. The whole work of the Levim was to access or to draw forth to be Mamshech. Mamshech means to draw forth to access from the state of Hu. The Avad Halevi, the whole Aved of the Levi is Hu, to bring out the Hu. How did he do it? As Havaydas Ayalmayid in the Avaid of the Ayalmayid. The who is not only not an extra word, it defines the Avaid of the Levi. What does this mean? What does it mean? Who? What's who? Who means he? <laughs> who in, in, in English is H E is he who? He. So he says, it represents something. Shahu Bina. Almadis Kasya. Al Almadis Galya. It means bringing out Alma Deskasya, the concealed world, into Alma Desgali, into the revealed world. That's Va'avad Halevihu. Generally, we know that uh, in Lashen Kaidish, like in other languages, there's different ways of communicating. Depends if the person is here, the person is absent. Ata, when I say you, Ata, it's called Lashen Noichach. Right? It's a second person. You're right in front of me, and I could say you. If you say who, he, it means you're not here, right? I'm not going to, it's called Lashen Nister. It's like you speak in third person. The person is not present. So you say, he told me yesterday, right? Or he's in Australia, or he's in uh, London. In other words, he's not right here. It's something that is more concealed. That's the word who versus Ata. Ata is Lashen Neichach, and who is Lashen Nister? So that's Pashat, and I'll be diktuk, the grammar of Hebrew, how it works. When it's hey vav aleph, it's masculine. And when it's hey yud aleph, it's feminine. Right? Hu nimtza b'aretz Yisrael. He nimtza at b'aretz Yisrael. In the Polish Yiddish, there's no difference. Who and he is the Zalbazach. V'avad alevi he. But there's a hey vav aleph, there's a hey yud aleph. It's different. It's Poshet spelled in the Tzavetayda different. You know what I mean? V'avad alevi he. But it's who. I don't know. At least in the Litvish Yiddish. In the Litvish there's Zaktman Hu. Hey Vav Aleph. Hey versus Hey Yud Aleph. Because he is feminine, it's a woman. And Hu is masculine, it's a Zacher, it's masculine. So Vavad Alevi Hu, the Zoyar says, is that the Avaid of the Levi was to bring from the concealed, from Hu, that which is not present, it's Almadis Kasya, the concealed world, into Almadis Kasya, into the revealed world. Into Almadis Galya, into the revealed world. And he says, that's Bina. That's what the Zoyar says. Now, what does this mean? First of all, what does it mean to bring from Amadis Kas to Amadis Gali? Second of all, what's the connection to Bina? Third of all, what's the connection to the Levim? And why does the Torah say it here suddenly? Va'inyan, to explain this. So for this we have to understand the fundamental difference between what's called in Svarim of Kabbalah and in Chesidus, Moichin the Abba and Moichin the Ima. Literally, Moichin means the mind. The Mayach is the mind. Right? The mind is the house. The, the Mayach is a brain. But the brain, of course, is the house. It houses the mind. The consciousness of the mind. So Moichin is the word that's used when you want to describe the brain, the mind, 
awareness, a person's consciousness, a person's cognitive abilities. It's called moichen. You say abal moichen means somebody who's intellectual, somebody who's cerebral. The mayach generally, mayach is the brain, the mind. But in Kabbalah it says that there's moichen the abba, there's the level of the, there's the moichen, there's the awareness of the father, and there's moichen and there's the mind of the ima of the mother. In other words, it's also called chachman bina. Chachma is called Meichen the Abba. Chachma and Bin are both intellectual faculties. They're both abilities of the brain. Right? You have the three, the first three spheres are Chachma, Bina, and Das. Chabad, Chachma, Bina, Das. So these three are all parts of the brain and of the mind, but it's different dimensions, it's different faculties. It's also partially physically different parts of the brain. The right hemisphere of the brain, the left hemisphere of the brain. Meichen Daba is considered the right, Meichen Dim is considered the left. It says this in Zoya. Today we also know it, you know, with uh, CAT scans and neuroscience, so it's, uh, you see, could see it. Different parts of the brain that are responsible for different experiences in the body and for different functional abilities in the person, including in cognition. So you have Meichen Daba, Meichen Dim. What's the difference? Pidush. Meichen the Abba, who pchines hasogas habitl, bepchines chachma, shuhu pchines koyach ma, venachnu ma, shuhu bepchines knidus, shupchines yiri ila, yiri boishus, shupchines vachachma meayin timotzi tachlos habitl. So there's three lines, but <laughs> there's a lot, a lot here in these lines. Now, with these terms, some of us are probably familiar from different Maimadim because these terms are not uncommon. But he puts it together. What is the Balatanya saying here? He says, Meichen the Abba, the first thing he says is Hasagas Habitl. And then he says it's Chachma. And what is Chachma? Chachma is two words. Koyach Ma. The Koyach of Ma. Chaf Ches Memhe is Chachma. If you reconfigure the letters, Chachma is Chaf Ches Chaf Memhe is Koyach Ma. The Koyach of Ma. What's Koyach Ma? So he brings a Pasuk from Parshish B'Shalach, where Moshe says, when they attack him and Aaron, V'nachnu Ma. What are we? V'nachnu Ma. What are we? That you're, that you're attacking us. And he says, that's an element of Kritus. Now Kritus means coldness. It's strange. What does he mean? It's cold. It's cold. It's not hot. And then he connects it to Yiri Law. Yiri Law means there's a higher level of Yiri. There's a Yiri Tata. There's a lower level of year. It says in Zoya, in the introduction, there's different levels of year. So there's year tata, lower level, and year a higher level of year. And he says that that's year boishas. It's a year, it's an awe that's connected to boishas. Boishas is usually translated as shame. What's the connection to shame? And then he connects it to a pasuk in Mishle, hachachma me'ayin timotze, which means chachma is found. Literally, a chachmaintimotzi means where you're going to find chachma. Where you're going to find? You're not going to walk in the street and find wisdom, right? Where are you going to find a smart man? Where are you going to find him? In the street, you could find in the street a diamond. You could find in the street a hundred dollars. Hachachma meayintimotzi, but he touches vachachma in the positive. Chachma meayintimotzi. Chachma comes from ayin, and that's tachlus habitl. This is contrast. Upchines meichin deima is pchines bina. Meichen the ima, that's bina. That's the mother. The awareness of the mother is bina. What's bina? Nikre lahamchil oy havayesh. 
The Pasuk says, it's the end of Shisha Sidra Mishnah, Rabbi Shob ben Levi says, that Asr HaKadosh, the last Mishnah, in Asachas Uktzen, the, the end of the whole Shas, the whole, whole Mishnah is, Asr HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lahanchil Lechol Tzadik V'Tzadik, Shloish Meis V'Esrei Elamis, Hashem is going to bequeath to every Tzadik, 310 worlds, Shai Elamis, 310, Shenemar, the Pasuk says, Lahanchil Oyavai Yesh, V'Yitzrei Seyem Amalek, I'm going to bequeath to my beloved ones, to my friends, Yesh. Yesh is Shinyud, 310. Yesh also means something, Yesh. I'll fill their treasure chests, their oitzris, I'll fill them. So he says, Meichin Deim is called Bina, Lahan Chil Oyavai Yesh. Versus Meichin the Abba, which he said is not Yesh, it's Ayin, it's Bittl. Shahu Mashabaha Ara Migdulasi is Barakh Liklal Havanova Sagamamash. Because this is the state in which a ha'ara, a ray, or a glimmer or a radiance of his greatness comes to a place where it can be comprehended and grasped mamash in a real way. Havana is understanding and asag is grasp mamash. So Bamela, that's Maikhandim. That's the description here. Meichin the Abba versus Meichin Now let's try to understand this. What is the Balatanya saying? What's the difference between the two? And then afterwards he's going to explain why the two are so essential and necessary. And not only that, it says in Zoya that Chachm and Bina are They're two inseparable friends. Which is my Tati married Mami and Mami married Tati. As the kids used to say. So he associates it immediately with Chachmah and Bina. What's the difference between Chachmah and Bina? So when many Maimarim, already beginning in Tanya, in chapter 3, and chapter 18, and other places, and in many Maimarim of the Balatanya, based on many explanations in the world of Kabbalah, the world of Chassidus, Machshava, what's the difference between Chachmah and Bina? The terms are used a lot. You already have in Chumash, you have the concept of Chachma, you have the concept of Bin, about Betzalo. It says, there's an Indian of Chachim, there's an Indian of, of, of Bina. There's an Indian of Chachim, there's an Indian of Novoin, Maven. Then there's a third Indian, Das. But here the focus is Chachma and Bina. So it's called the father and the mother, the masculine and the feminine. What's the, what's the difference? The, the key difference in Chachma and Bina, he defines here is Ayin and Yesh. Ayin and Yesh. Hachachma may ayin timotze. Chachma emerges from ayin. And therefore, it's connected to ayin. Bina is lahanchil oyavai yesh. Yesh. And that's why he says bina is when there's a ha'ara, migdolosi is barach, and it comes liklal havana vasaga mamash. You get it, you understand it. Because it's Adam And that's the concept of Yesh. To try to bring this down, what does this mean? A very common metaphor that's brought for Chachman Bin is if somebody is struggling with an idea, you don't understand something. You read it and you read it again and you read it again. It's not that you don't understand the language, then it won't help you're reading a hundred times. You understand the language. You may, may even understand the words. But 
You're learning a piece of Gemara. It's a hard piece of Gemara. You read it, you read it again. You know you're missing something. Or whatever else, whatever you're reading. Or you have a dilemma in life. It could be you're reading Pashat, a difficult text. Or you have a, a dilemma in life. And you're trying to figure things out. Uh, could be a dilemma in business. Could be a dilemma in a person's life. Whatever it may be. And the person is struggling. And they don't see a way out. They don't see a way out. And you think about it again. And maybe you ask people. But you just don't have an understanding of this, this thing that you're reading. This thing you're trying to figure out. This thing you're learning. And then... Some of you know the feeling very well, maybe some more than others. You have what they call in English an epiphany. An epiphany is you're walking in the street, right? And you thought you were daydreaming. Really, you were thinking about your problem. You didn't even realize you were thinking about the problem. And suddenly, boom, there's like a, what is it called? The light bulb moment? What do they call it? The, <laughs> a brainstorm. A light bulb goes off, you know? Like literally a light bulb goes out. Alter Rebbe calls it in the Maim, Baruch HaMavrik. It's like a pit, yeah, in the wilderness and pitch dark. I don't know if you ever had the experience. And so, ah, a blitz, a blitz, yeah. A blitz. And there's a Baruch, Baruch is, a, is lightning, HaMavrik. And it sheds, it casts such a powerful light, you know, the intensity of the light of the lightning and the electricity. It's incredibly powerful. Half of a fellow what there is in that electricity. One lightning. And suddenly there's a light that goes off. Literally like a light goes off in your brain. You're like reading, and, or re- reading, you're reading the text, you're walking. Maybe you're sitting on a couch on a Monday morning or Wednesday afternoon. And there's a lightning that goes off. And it's like, ah, you just feel. You got it. You got it. You got the idea. Or you're trying to figure something out. And suddenly something pops into your brain. Where did it come from? So, out of nowhere. Hachachme me'ayinti matze. Where did it come from? Can we identify where it came from? No. <laughs> it just came in. But where did the attack come from? UPS delivered it. Amazon. Amazon made a delivery, prime delivery, straight to your brain. It's a very powerful feeling when it happens. What is that? What is that? That's called Chachma. Generally, that's called Chachma. Then there's Bina. Bina is very different. I say, oh, 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 wow. You feel it. Somebody says, what, what? I say, I got it. Tell me, what do you get? No, I can't talk. I can't tell you anything. Why can't you tell me if you got it? I can't say it. If you say, you're going to ruin it. <laughs> you have to sit with it. It's not yet ready. It's not yet, uh, it's achla uh, paga. You know, when you eat a fig that's unripe, it's called paga in Mishnayis. It's not ready to be eaten. It's not ready to be digested. Tell me, tell me. I can't tell you anything. You have to sit with it and you have to develop it. Literally, you have to develop it. You got the seminal idea. You got the point. You got the core. You got the atzmius. But it has no, uh, it has no kalim. It has no, it has to be fleshed out. It needs flesh. Fleshed out. Ah? No structure. No bones. No sinews. No expression. It needs to be expanded. It needs to be developed. If not, if it stays at that point, the lightning doesn't stay forever. The lightning comes and goes. It's all over. Similar to the seed of the father. The seed of the father, the tipa, has tremendous kayach. We know that. It pollinates the egg. And through that, with its combination with the egg of the mother, the half a cell, and the half a cell, you create the first cell, which develops Bezid Hashem into the embryo, that grows into a fetus, that will grow into a child that can be born. 
But at that seminal point, at that seminal point before the nine months of development, right? If somebody says, oh, we have a child here. Child won't be able to be viable. Nothing will remain. And that sometimes happens. You know, miscarriage, etc. There's no, there's no, the conception doesn't happen. Or even if the conception happens, the later stages of development don't happen for whatever reason. So you need the mother. That's meichin de ima. That's why bina is connected to the mother. And Chachm is connected to the father. Because the mother is the one who takes it and she develops it in her womb, not in the father's womb. Tisha Chadashim Bebetanem, nine months. And each week there's another element of development until the full-fledged fetus, Bezer Hashem, and then there could be birth. And we'll soon see what birth means. But the biological structure of how Hashem created the birth of a child represents, like everything, Nasa Adam Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu. Everything in a person's life represents, it's a mirror of the way things are, Kivayachal, in the spiritual structure of the universe and the divine structure. That's the aside of, of Teres Anister. Mipsari Echzelika, like the Alter Rebbe always quotes the Possum. From my flesh I can perceive Hashem. So from your own mechanisms, from your own soul, you can Echzelika to Possum in Iyav. You could see Alakus, you can appreciate Alakus. So those are the two stages. Chachmen Now very often it doesn't happen with us, because if I'm just reading material that's not difficult, I don't need Chachmen. If you're just reading cereal boxes, or you know the sports section in the newspaper, right? Or Bechala magazine, as somebody once told me, that he stopped reading magazines years ago. I said, why? He said, because he realized that every week it says the same thing. It's just the letters are configured in a different a different order, but it basically says the same thing. It's not challenging him. <laughs> so then you're not going to need an epiphany, right? Okay, it's the same, uh, you know, same old. Chachma is, is, is a process where there's a difficulty with something, and there has to be a breakthrough. Now the shaila is, why does it work this way? See, that's how it works. What, what, what's, is, is there a seichel behind this? What's the... What's the What's the reasoning? What's the, what is it called, a, 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 rhythm, a rhythm to the... What's the meaning behind this? The meaning behind this is quite profound. So Chassidus explains, the Balatanya explains, that in every relationship, whenever there's a relationship between two things or two people, there's always a question. The question is, who yields to whom? When two cars are coming into the same road, they have a sign, yield or stop. Either you take the right, you have the right of way, or I have the right of way. Whenever you have a relationship, who dominates the relationship? Is it one person or is it the other person? Do they both have to compromise? That's a question. You have relationships, whereas they say one person wears the pants and the other person becomes completely subservient to you. I lose my identity in you. You have a relationship, the opposite. You lose your identity in me. Obviously, there's something challenging in those relationships. Why? Because it's not an ultimate relationship. Because one of the people can't be there with their full presence. Right? There's a t-shirt I once told you. I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. But if you don't learn to worship me, I'm not easy to get along with. So whenever there's a relationship, there is always this challenge. Yeah. Who is the one who defines the relationship? <laughs> is it you who defines it and I'm just subservient to you or is it the other way around? <clears throat> and sometimes there's a lot of learning curves, creating space, 
compromising, opening yourself up to the other, meeting each other halfway, right? Take a marriage. If there's, people don't learn how to compromise, if they don't learn how to see the other person's perspective, <laughs> well, it's impossible. It's not the, unless it's going to be very difficult or somebody's just going to lose their identity. You have to learn. It works both ways. I have to learn your perspective. I have to listen. I have to open myself up to your mindset. It's not so easy for people. Especially if you're a very defensive person, not because of yourself, because of your wounds. You can't really let other people into your life. It's very, very hard, right? People who suffer from different conditions. It's a big challenge. You know what I'm talking about. You're looking at me like I'm saying something strange. You never heard about these issues? huh? It's a very common thing. It's a very difficult thing. Sometimes people, it's not even there, they, they would like to. A person maybe a person doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to. For him, it's a form of suicide to let somebody else in. If he gives up space, if he gives up any shtochim of his territory, it's going to be, uh, he's afraid, you know, Hamas is going to take over. Because that's where he's been living for many years. Now, I'm not going to describe the neuroscience of it, the trauma of it, etc., the amygdala, all these, all these in titus. But it's, it's real stuff. So let's now go back to a more a deeper place. Chachma and Bin is about a relationship. There's a relationship between people, but everything, there's a relationship between me and an idea. When an idea comes into my mind, it's a relationship. It's a relationship between me and the idea. It's a marriage. In Kabbalah, it's called Zivugim. Everything is a Zivug in Kabbalah. There's nothing in Kabbalah that's not a Zivug. If you're familiar a little with Kisve Arizal, the Zivug Chachma Bin, it's called Zivug. Zivug means marriage, intimacy. The zivug zun, zan nukve, midas and malchus is a zivug. The zivug ha'olamis, everything is zivugim. Everything is relationships. Why is everything relationships? Because al pikabola, everything is a relationship. The DNA of the world is a relationship. The first thing is Hashem wanted a relationship. Einoid malvadai. Al-Tarebbe says, Loi toiv heyoyis ha'odam levadai eser lo yezek it's not good for man to be alone. That's the beginning. The first thing, Loi Toiv. So he says in Torah, Adam is Adam Elyon. Before creation, Hashem was Levada. Ein Oid, Mulvada. Loi Toiv, Adam Levada. The Adam felt it's not good for me to be alone. Eseloi Ezer, I want to create a help. Kinegdoi through that position. So the whole fabric of creation is a relationship. It's not like relationships are some mistake in the world, you know. At some point, you got to get married. Your parents want to get rid of you. We already want nachas from your kids, so we throw you out of the house, get married. Right? It's what often we don't understand, right? People think there's the world of Yiddishkeit, there's the world of relationships. And somehow Rabbi Waiwai uses too, much time, too many times the word relationships. Why use so many times the word relationships? Right? So you want to use a different word, you can use a different word. You can use the word from Kisve Arizal, Zivug Zun, Zivug Abba Ve'ima, Zivug Atik Ve'arich. You could do that also, if the willst. I'm not invested in the English word relationships. But the point is that relationships is not just a detail in the world. It's the essence of, it's the essence of creation. It's the essence of Matan Torah. The Medrash says, Matan Torah was Al-Yoynim Yeru L'Tachtoynim V'Tachtoynim Yalu L'Al-Yoynim. When I want to absorb an idea, that idea coming into me is a form of a marriage. There's a relationship between me and the idea. And many great things could come of it, like in any relationship. Or nothing could come of it. That depends on the situation. Whenever there's a relationship, the question is, who dominates? Is it me or is it the idea? Who dominates? <laughs> Do I wear the pants in the relationship or does the idea wear the pants in the relationship? 
Now, what I'm saying sounds abstract, but you'll see how this develops. Huh? Or they could become equal. And how does that happen? Is it like 50-50? So you have two stages. You have two stages. Stage number one is Chachma. Stage number one, two is Bina. What's the, what's the reason that a certain idea couldn't come into my head? I couldn't understand it. You understood it right away. I couldn't. We're learning the same text. I read it. You read it. You read it again. You read it again. It's a Geitnisht. It doesn't go in. So there could be many different explanations. But the Nikud in all of them is that there's something that's not letting it come in. There's a blockage. Whatever the blockage is, if I want to use a very physical metaphor, even though it's inappropriate, maybe it's not too technical, but if I have a cup, and the cup is seven ounces, so seven ounces could fit into the cup. If you want to give me 20 ounces, you want to give me a gallon, you need to give me a different cup. So there's a cup and there's a cup, right? A cup has certain parameters, at least those that I'm used to. I have certain walls. I have, I have seven ounces. You give me something that's seven ounces, my cup contains it. If you give me something that's 20 ounces, 30 ounces, yeah, 50 ounces, you start giving me gallons and 100 gallons, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, you got the wrong guy. Go find another cup. You can almost feel it sometimes. It's like your, your head is resisting. Like, uh, don't go. My head is not a Kaylee for this. My cup doesn't go there. I need things that I could contain. This, this idea is too deep for me. It's too challenging for me. It's beyond the walls of my cup. It's beyond the parameters of my brain. It's not really beyond the parameters of my brain, because how much percent of our brain do we use throughout our life? But it's beyond, huh? Five, come five. Huh? If you're Einstein, five percent. And if you're not Einstein, we won't even give the number. But it's a very small percent. But my perceived parameters of my brain, I'm like, sorry, my cup is too small for this. Leave me alone. What has to happen? The first thing that has to happen is, kayachma, v'nachnuma. What's v'nachnuma? And this is critical. Moshe Rabbeinu says, v'nachnuma, kisalinu aleinu. What are we? Ma, ma is what? What does it mean, what are we? What is he saying? What are we? Moshe is explaining to the Jewish people, you don't understand me. You think that I'm hungry for power. I'm trying to control you. I'm trying to manipulate you. I'm trying to exploit you. I'm trying to use you. I'm trying to exercise my power over you. So you're attacking me, you're criticizing me, you're judging me, you're getting, you want to stone me. Moshe Rabbeinu says, you have to learn who I am. V'nachnuma. What am I? What are we? And that's the, basically what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying is, I'm not looking to be powerful over you. I'm your servant. I'm a conduit. There's no I present who's trying to control situations. I'm a messenger of Hashem. I don't have an identity that is separate, that's trying to overpower you. What's the word chachma? It's the koyach to say what? It's the power to say what? Ma. Curiosity, inquisitiveness. It's also the koyach of ma. It's the koyach that it doesn't have an identity, doesn't have an ego. The definition of the koyach is ma. What is it? If you'll ask Chachma, who are you? He says, I don't have a name. <laughs> ma. Why? Because the definition of Chachma is openness to something that's beyond me, to something that's transcendent, to something that's higher than my perceived brain. What happens, you look, whenever you have an epiphany, whenever something pops into your brain, whenever you have that blitz, 
that lightning moment, the light bulb goes, what happened a few seconds before? Most people don't realize this. But next time you have an epiphany, ask yourself, what happened a few seconds before? A few minutes before, a few hours before. And you'll see. I'll tell you what happened. What happened was, you read it once, you read it twice, you read it three times. You couldn't understand it. You tried again and again and again. Maybe for days, maybe for weeks. It wasn't going. You know what happened? You got frustrated with yourself. Frustrated in a good way. Frustrated with the, your intellectual ego. You got frustrated with yourself. And that's called bittel. Bittel means the recognition that I really don't get it. I really don't get it. In other words, as long as I'm I, I am I, I don't get it. That's humility. That's the beginning of Kayach Ma. It's the beginning of Kayach Ma. What happened right before the epiphany was you were walking in the street and you were completely focused on that idea. You were so focused on it, you didn't realize how focused you were on it. You know when you're thinking about something and you don't realize you're thinking about it? Right? And then when the shear is over, it's like, oh, wow, for five minutes I was thinking about this. I didn't even realize. You were so immersed in it. You know those daydreams, right? The good daydreams? (laughs) You were so immersed in it you were so immersed in it that you didn't realize you were immersed in it. You were so immersed in the idea that your consciousness was completely there. You weren't conscious about the fact that you're being conscious. You were completely focused. What happens at that moment? Your eye surrenders, or is trying to surrender to the truth. And because your eye was mavatal itself, How was it about itself? Not through hammers, not through stones, and not through axes, and not through uh, swords. It was about itself from from an internal space where you just become frustrated, annoyed with your intellectual ego, and you realize there's something much deeper, and you were completely immersed on the idea. So what happened was, you literally, like by Yerichai, the walls of my cup came down. And it created space for ayin. It created space. What's ayin? Hachachma me'ayin timatze. What's ayin? Ayin, we always say it's not nothingness. It's no thingness. It's an idea that comes from a place that's beyond a thing. It's beyond that which I could have grasped a moment ago. For me, it was ayin. Why was it ayin? Because I had no tfis in it. My, my cup couldn't grab it. It didn't fit into my vessels. It transcended my vessels. It was something deeper. But when I put down my ego, when I laid down the walls, I created space, right? I expanded the cup. So the iron says, oh, now I could come in. Now I could come in. You know, the Kotzker famously asked his Talmudim, who is God? Where is Hashem? They said, everywhere. He said, name. Vumalastamarayin. Will you let him in? <laughs> the Kotzke Rebbe didn't know that he didn't say it in Shachris. <laughs> in Poland, they didn't have Uncle Moshe's song, Hashem is there, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Who is God? And now you question, who is God? It says in Zoya. There's no space devoid of him. Yeah, God is everywhere, but the question is, where are you? He's here, but where are you? Says, we, I, have to, I have to let you in. Letting you in is a very, very heavy step. He calls it a tachlis habitl. 
Tachlus Abitl. There's a Mishnah Pirkeyavis, Pedic Dalit. Pedic Mishnah Chaf. At the end of, close to the end of Pedic Elisha Ben The only time Elisha Ben is quoted. And Mishnah is the only time Elisha Ben if I'm not mistaken, is quoted by his name. Chazal didn't even like to refer to him by his name. They called him Acher. Because he was from the old, from hundreds of Tanoim and Amiraim, he's the only one who was OTD. He went over the derech. But there was a big sensation because Alisha ben Avuya wasn't a Ayosh of Kronos. You understand? He was the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva. He was, you're talking about one of the Gdoli Hadar. So the fact that he left, Yiddishkeit, obviously, you understand, it made uh, the WhatsApps were busy for a few months. The WhatsApps, if you remember, you remember the WhatsApps? Everybody was busy with Alisha ben They stopped calling him by the fact that they changed his name. You could see it was a trauma. What they changed his name for? They called him Acher. They didn't even want to say his name. Reb Meir continued to learn by him. So he's not quoted. But in Prikayovah's Pedic Dalit, Reb Yehuda Nasi decided to quote him. Elisha ben Avuyan, what did he quote him? It's a very interesting thing. What did he quote him? Haloy metoyre yeled l'mahu doyme. You remember? L'dyoich suva al-nayir chadosh. Haloy metoyre zokin l'mahu doyme. L'dyoich suva al-nayir machuk. If you teach Torah to a child, it's like ink transcribed on fresh paper, fresh papyrus, fresh parchment. It's fresh, it's new. And the ink gets absorbed beautifully into the, into the paper. You teach Torah to a zakin, to an old person, it's like writing on nayar machuk. If you have a piece of paper, you wrote, and then you erase, and you write again, and you erase. So the ink is not easily absorbed. That's what Elisha ben says. The obvious question is, my kamashmala, what's the chiddush of the Mishnah? Everybody knows you need Elisha ben Avoyah to tell you that when children learn something, it goes in much deeper and it stays there. You know, children are like wet sponges. They absorb everything. If you want to teach a language to an adult, good luck. Right? Children, their brains are so, are so pliable and so impressionable. Right? You remember your children remember everything. <laughs> they remember what you said. They remember what you did. My kid sometimes reminds me what I said to him 10 years ago. I don't remember what I said yesterday. What's the Kiddush of the Mishnah? That children absorb much better? I mean, it's a, it's a well-known fact. In Yipsalisha ben Avuya to say it. But there's also another question. Pirkei is not some statements about life. Pirkei the Gemara says, is Mila It helps people develop Midas Chassidus, Lefnimishur Sadin, piety. If he's trying to teach you, that you should teach Torah to your child. You shouldn't wait till he becomes an adult. It's a mitzvah sesim in a Torah. It says, It's a mitzvah sesim on a father to teach his child Torah. If he's just saying that it's a good thing to teach a child, he wants to encourage you even more and explain it to you, fine, so he could say, don't lose the childhood years to learn and don't lose the childhood years to teach your child. But the second half is a little disturbing. Because let's say there's a Jew who didn't learn Torah as a child. Take Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was Elisha ben Avuya's student and friend. He didn't learn Torah till he was 40. He comes to such a mission. Now, what are you telling him? Bistanalter, uh, whatever, yeah? Whatever you learn, it's going to be Even if you want to bring out the point, say it in the positive. Encourage people to teach Torah to little children when they're young because it's going to be absorbed like never before. You really have to say the negative. What's going to be the message? An, an, an older person who never learned. What is he taking out of this Mishnah? Fafalan, a lost case. It's, it's all Naya Mach. Nothing is going to go in. 
Let's say you have Yidin Bali Tshuva. Yeah, they didn't learn Torah until they were 30, 40, 50, 60. I know a Yid who became a Bal Tshuva at 79. 79 started to become Bal Tshuva. I know a person in their 80s, they're thinking about becoming Bal Tshuva. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh? Right? And now you imagine starting to learn Gemara. Imagine starting to, even reading Hebrew. So you open up a Mishnah, Pekayov is one of the first things you learn. Right? It's erased. <laughs> well, what's the Havana? <laughs> it was once a Fabreng in Shabbos afternoon. It was in the summer days, Pekayovis. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe would teach a Mishnah and he would explain it. So he asked these questions. And he said that Pshat in the Mishnah is much deeper. The Mishnah is not only talking about biology. The Mishnah is not only talking about a child and an old person in years. He says, years don't always go by the passport. Years go by the attitude. The Mishnah is talking about a way of learning. Elisha ben Avuya is teaching how to learn. You could be an old person, but you learn as a child. And you could be a young person, but you learn as an old person. What's Pshat? He says, I could be a young person, but I'm learning like a Zokin. What's Pshat? I'm learning like a Zokin. He says, it's an approach. means I'm not really ready for anything new. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I already have my way, my mahalach, my structure. I'm ready to listen, but it has to fit in to the filing cabinets. I have a filing cabinet. I'll take out a file. I'll put you into the file. Fakert. And then, it's a nice vart. It's another vart. I could say it over Shabbos by the table. Say it over Shalashud. Say it over by Mincha. Say it over to my Chavrusa. You understand? You know, you guys know that mahalach. Huh? And if attacker doesn't fit in, if it doesn't fit in, what do I do? Either I fall asleep, or I dismiss it, I dismiss it, or I make it fit in. I make it fit in. I only, I only hear that which I'm capable of hearing. So Elisha ben Avuya says, that's not how you're supposed to learn. You have to always be a yelled, a child. How does a child learn? You see it in children's faces. That's why it's so painful to see when we use children and we give them information that is sometimes destructive because they're so innocent. You know, when you speak to Yungalite, especially people who have been around the block and they become cynical, you know, they're not even taking you seriously. You know what I mean? You ever see somebody giving like this Shabbos Agadam Musa to Yungalite, right? Like, the, you know, they shut down the moment you open your mouth, they're already shut down. They're staring at you, but they're like, but the child is innocent. The child looks at you. And the child is the sponge ready to take everything in and absorb it. And if you don't speak the MS and you're not saying that will teach the child who he is or who she is, it's a tremendous hezek. On the contrary, however, that child, he says, is completely open. There's no cynicism. child didn't shut down yet. The child takes it in. The child is ready to hear new things. And that's why children have such good memories. Why do you children remember almost everything and adults don't? And the answer is, you'll forgive me, I hope present company excluded, most adults, when they listen, they're not listening. They're developing opinions. You can ask. When you listen to something, are you really listening or you're actually thinking, that was good. That was good. I like it. I don't agree. He said that already. Oh, that I know. This I'm going to use. Right? You know what I mean? (laughs) Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Adults sit with opinions. Even if your opinion is good. 
Even if your opinion is, wow, it's amazing. You're not listening. You're complimenting. <laughs> There's a time to compliment, time to listen. Wow, I'm going to say it over. I'm not listening. I'm having an opinion. Children, listen. So Elisha ben Avuya is saying, you have to learn like a child. It's not about years. How should you learn? It can really go in. How can it really go in? Only through Chachma, Bittl. And I should tell you, it's not easy because these are subconscious things. It's not like I tell myself, I'm not really going to listen to a new thing. No, of course I would listen to new things. Subconsciously, I'm not ready to step away. I'm not ready to step away. I have a mahalach. And sometimes the more developed you are, the more dangerous you are. Because if you were a shegit, right? You understand what I'm saying? Huh? There's an expression in Gemara and Chagiga. This is a, no, it's a little sensitive. You know what that means? Some of you learned Mesech the Chagiga not long ago. It means as follows. A keli, until it's complete, until it's usable, can't get tame. When you're building a, a vessel, a keli, a utensil doesn't get tame until it's nigma, until it's finished. So let's say somebody's tame is fashioning the keli. I don't care. Because as long as it's not complete... It can't get tame. But kalim hanigmarim betara. When the keli is, is you're doing the final touches and you make sure that only a pure person did it. So the keli was completed betara. So lechayda you could use it for anything. You want to use it for karbonus. Let's say you want to put a carbon chatos in it. Right? A holy food, you have to put it in the mikvah again. It's a special chumrah that Chazal made for karbonus. So there's a there's a, a chassidic shatayish. There's a chassidic interpretation. Kelim anigmarim betara. Sometimes a person says, "I'm a keli, and I'm complete, and I'm complete in my purity." Tzrichim tvila. Tvila is the word habitel. Tvila is the same letters like habitel. Because going to the mikveh, tvila is bitel. Habitel. Hey, beis yud teslamid is tvila. What does it mean to go under the water? Under the water, you can't live. So why do we go under the water? Because under the water means you're going to a place where essentially. It's a form where if I would stay there, you can't live. And then you become pure. Because the only way you could become pure is if you completely step out of the identity the way you know it. You go into the mikkah, which is a place that you can't live. So it's really a form of transformation, of metamorphosis. Tzrichim tvila, habitol l'kaidish, to be able to experience Kedusha. If I'm not a keli hanigma betara, right? So then I'm actually more open. I'm like a child. That's why... And I say this with a lot of sensitivity and respect. Sometimes it's much easier to speak to secular Jews than it is to religious Jews. You understand why? Because a secular Jew has an advantage. He often doesn't think that he knows anything about Judaism. He never grew up with it. But the from Jew, what in the world are you going to tell me? I know everything. I, you and me know he knows nothing. <laughs> he knows nothing. He knows a lot of information, but he knows nothing. Because the entire brain was molded by a certain conception of Judaism that is extremely, 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 extremely narrow, extremely limited, and sometimes even ridiculous, and sometimes even abusive. But even if not abusive, it's sometimes very, very narrow and limited. Right, but how do you tell that to somebody? So you understand the level of bitl you need. So Kalim and Igmar and Betara... They need much more bittel. <laughs> because I know it all already. I, I should become a yelled. I'm not a child. I'm a zokin. 
So Elisha ben Avuya says, no, I don't care if you're 90 years old, be a child. Remain a child. Open, completely open. But that takes a lot of inner confidence, a lot of security, because sometimes there's a lot of voices in me that say, things are settled, don't shake them up. Right? You typhus what I'm saying, everybody? Huh? You have no opinion. You have no opinion. Why did... And, and, and the Rebbe then said, that's why he quotes Elisha ben Avoya. Because the Gemara says about Elisha ben Avoya in Chagiga, that uh, at his bris, his Yerushalmi Chagiga, his bris, the Tanoim were all sitting. And the father saw, they were learning, they were waiting for the bris, so they were learning. And the father saw, he had the Degdoyle HaTanoim were there, and the father saw the fire coming out of their mouths. And he says, The words were full of simcha, like when it was given from Sinai. He felt the Kedush of Har Sinai. So the father said, if this is the Kayach of Torah, I want to dedicate my child to Torah. And he dedicated Elisha ben Avuya to Torah. That's what the Yerushalmi says. So Elisha ben Avuya, even though later he left, but as a child, he was absorbed with Torah. So in many ways, this mission in Prikayavis brings out something very special. That goes in deep and deep, and Elisha ben Avuya, even though later he left it, but as a child, he was completely absorbed with it. And that means that it became part of his essence, part of his core. So in many ways, it's like a certain opinion, Hanashama, redemption of the soul. <laughs> because the Gemara is a whole story in Bavli, how they, you know, his Talmudim wanted to get him out of Gehenim into Ganeidin. So the Mishnah here is bringing out something very special in the name of Elisha ben Avuya, which also applies to Elisha ben Avuya. So all of this, all of this, okay, we'll finish in three minutes. It's already late. But what does this all bring out? This is the first step. The first step in the marriage is, the first step in a relationship is, I have to be completely open to the other. Really open. And that takes koyachma. That's koyachma. Chachma me'ayin timotzeh. And that's where always there's an epiphany. There will never be a baraka maverick if I'm in a state of yesh. If you're trying to control it, it's never going to happen. You say, I'm going to understand the idea. You better go into me. It will run away. The epiphany always happens in a moment when you're not in control. Why? Why? Why can't you say, I better get it, I better get it. Because if I better get it, you're not going to get it. It always has to happen from the person opening themselves up to something deeper. Then there's stage two. What's the problem with Chachma? problem with Chachma is it's amazing. <laughs> but I'm not there. <laughs> the eye is not present. The walls went down. <laughs> That's why Chachma is, has special pleasure in it. It's like when that happens... You feel this light, you feel this clarity, but it never lasts. Because the lightning, I got. I was once on a canoe trip in camp, and we got stuck somewhere. It started to rain and pour, and we lost our oars, so we couldn't get to the destination. So we were stuck in a, in a, in a lake, it was near Detroit, in Michigan, and uh, a bunch of people, a few canoes, and there was a churban, it started to pour, and 
thundering in, in, in the water. So we, we went over to the nearby forest. But it was a real forest. It was like wilderness. So when it became dark, it became dark. It's not like in the city where it becomes dark, but it's never really dark. You know, there's always a light here and a light there. There you really saw what pitch dark is. And we pushed, couldn't see anything. And it, <laughs> I'm laughing. It was pretty dangerous. And then I remember there was a lightning, but there were nine lightnings in a row. And it brought so much light that we managed to be able to see a house. We got into the house, but the house was pitch dark. And then there was a lightning, so we managed to see where there was a candle and a match. The lightning was gone. It was pitch dark, but we now knew to walk to that place and light a candle. When we lit a candle, it was light. So there was nothing as intense and as clear as the light that comes from the lightning. The challenge is, it doesn't stay. <laughs> it goes. It's elusive. And that's Chachma. Chachma, it's not, I got it. It got me. <laughs> you say, I got it. You, really, you got to write it down. I can't write it down. I didn't get it. It got me. Bina is I got it. Bina, you resurface back into your reality, and with your identity, you take apart that light, and you flesh it out, and you assimilate it into the structures of your mind. That's called Bina. After Bina, oh, I got it. But you'll notice something. In Bina, you will never have the clarity that you had in Chachma. <laughs> and people always crave to go back that moment, I got it. <laughs> Why? Because the clarity of Chachmah came because I wasn't present. And in Bina, I'm present. So it never has that same clarity. Also, you'll see, Chachmah never comes in many words. It's always a few words. Bina comes in a lot of words. Because Chachmah is Eir and Bina is Kalim. Chachmah is the light. It doesn't come with many Yosis. It's usually six words, five words, four words, seven words. The epiphany doesn't come with big words because it's, it's pre-Yosis. It's, it's beyond verbal. There's different levels of Chachem, but Chachem Be'etzim is pre-verbal. It's like almost like a picture. Bina is all about words because Bina is names and structures and stories and definitions and descriptions. So Bina is Yosis. So that's the first thing he explains. Meichen the Abba is Bittl. Meichen de'im is yesh. Meichen de'abba is the state in which I transcend my eyes, so I'm open to a completely new concept that's transcendent. Meichen de'ima is the opposite. Meichen de'ima is lahanchil oyavai yesh. It fits into my structure. Because if it stays in the world of Chachma, it's amazing, but I wasn't there. <laughs> I lost myself in Chachma. Now, you need to lose yourself in order to find yourself. Because if you don't lose yourself, what are you going to find? Right? So you have to lose yourself to find yourself. Because if you don't lose yourself, if you lose yourself, there's something to find. So in Chachma, in that stage of the relationship, I'm completely open. It's very, very deep bittle. And then Bina is, bring it back into your kalim, into your vessels. It says in Zohar, Vayhi Ur is Chachma. Chayshech is Bina. Why is Bina Chayshech? 
In many ways, Bina is more early than Chachma, because Bina, you could talk about it, you can give a drosha, you can write it down, you could write a paper, you could write a sefer. Chachma, you can't write anything. But Bina, Legabi Chachma, is darkness. Because the Oyer of Chachma will never be replicated in Bina. And the reason it'll never be replicated in Bina is because Bina imposes structure on something that's really beyond structure. You're feeling what I'm saying? You have experienced this? If, if, if you deal with ideas, you know the difference of Chachma and Bina, you have that light. It, it, it doesn't repeat itself. It's like a lightning. It goes away. It's too elusive. Because you can't grab it. Because if you grab it, it's not it. Ha-chachma me'ayin And ayin, by definition, doesn't let you grab it. Because if you grab it, it's not ayin. It's a thing. I can grab a tissue box. Right? But how do you grab light? Grab light. Now, if light was only a particle, maybe you can grab it. If light is a wave, how do you grab it? So whenever something is yesh, you can grab it. When something is ayin, if you try to grab it, you'll grab everything. You won't grab the ayin. So whenever we try to grab God, or grab Yiddishkeit, or grab truth, what happens? <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. Right? The definition of Chachma is that I don't get it. I don't get it. You're right. It gets me. That's the Nukud of Ayin. That's Kayach Ma Venachnuma. Moshe Rabbeinu says, that's who I am. <laughs> that's who I... Moshe's identity was Venachnuma. He says it a few times in Chumash. That is his identity. Moshe was Chachma. Kayach Ma. That is his Kayach. It's the Kayach Ma. I don't have a name. Chachma is not stuck in an orbit. Chachma is never stuck in a box. Chachma is never stubborn. Chachma is never afraid. Chachma is forever open. Chachma is a child, in the most beautiful sense of the word. And therefore Chachma absorbs new things that Bina on its own won't absorb it. Now Chachma and Bina really work together. They're best friends. They could also not work together. They can get divorced. But ultimately, Chachma and Bina have to get married because they're an amazing marriage. But an amazing marriage is only when Bina really respects Chachma and Chachma really respects Bina. Bina takes Chachma and makes it concrete. You know how husbands come home and they tell their wives, I have an idea, I have a dream. And she's like, relax. <laughs> Let's analyze this. You know when husbands say, I have an unbelievable Chalamaya trip for the family. Really? And who's making the food? And how we're getting there. And what happens when the kids have to go to the bathroom? Right? And what happens? You forgot there's a dentist appointment, a doctor's appointment. Right? Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> so Chachma and Bina need a very good marriage, as we will see. Have a wonderful day. Be'ez HaShem will continue tomorrow, 7.45 a.m. <laughs> oh, Elisha ben Avuya. Oh, what happened to Elisha ben Avuya? Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, Chazal tell a lot of stuff. Uh, it even says over there in Gemara, one of the opinions is that because his father dedicated him to Torah, only because he saw the fire was Shaloy Lishma, so therefore it affected his learning. <laughs> That's one thing in the story we saw a kid die by Shiloh HaKan. And, you know the story, a father sent his son to do the mitzvah of Shiloh HaKan and a snake bit him.
He did the mitzvah of Kabbadah, Sevecha Vesimacha, and Shiloh the only two mitzvahs that the Torah promises, Arichis Yamim. So he saw a lot, he saw different things in his life. You know, he saw the Chorban of Bayesheni. There were different things that happened that caused him to, uh, to leave. The Gemara says in Chagiga, he nichnesulapardus, he was one of the four who went into the orchard. Kitzitz Benetius. No, he was a big mind. Reb Meir continued to learn by him. But he himself was Kitzitz Benetius. Yeah. Light as photons, yeah. Waves. Waves, particles, yeah. They're not. They, they thought it was a particle and they realized it's a wave. They thought it's a wave and then they realized it's both and the paradox coexists. That's true. That's true. Even matter, even matter we know is not structure. Matter is also light. And Einstein showed that energy and matter, right? That's true. Yes. Really, Bina is also Ur. But as we're going to see, Bina is the way that the earth gets grasped. What, what makes matter matter? Our perception of it. Our perception of it makes it matter. Right? Max Planck said that uh, uh, we used to think consciousness is a derivative of matter. Today we know matter is a derivative of consciousness. What makes matter matter is consciousness, my perception of it. The tools I use, and that's exactly what bin is. The tools I use to define it in a certain way that work for my system, that's what makes matter matter. And that's why it's called yesh. But it's really all earth. Right. Of course. Really of course. It's almost like a, uh, an illusion. Of course. I wouldn't this. call it an illusion because it's part of the reality that God created. The tools are part of the reality. So it's not an illusion in the sense that we're, that it's stam dimyan, that it's, you know, just not based in reality, but it, it's, it's based on the certain tools perception. which are based on perception. Which are part of reality. It's also part of reality. <laughs> and if there is no observer, there is no the fact that even in light, no the fact that even in light, right, when we observe it, right, we can observe the paradox. When we observe light, it collapses into one model, one modality. It's Means one or, a uh, uh, one or another. Because the observer imposes his or her limits on the reality, and that taka becomes the reality for them. It's not. It's not a joke. It's not like a, a cynical, uh, you know, magical trick. It's. It's a. Re- I really impose my reality when there's no observer. The reality can remain in its paradoxical uh, dualities. That's unbelievable. Yeah. In a lab, we know when we measure things. Yeah, yeah. The, the measurements. The, the measuring interferes. With what you're measuring. So the moment you're measuring it, you're, you're, you're not measuring it. That, that's the Nakud. And I, in the moment you're measuring it, it's beautiful, but you're not measuring it anymore. <laughs> to not measure it, you actually have to close your eyes. <laughs> you're not measure it. Because it, it's not measurable. Measuring is already an imposition. But, by the way, this is, a physical this is why, why all of science today is all based on humility. It, it's based on, on transcendence and humility. If not... You're, uh, you're, you're completely distorting reality. You have to be a child. You have to completely be a child. If you're a physicist today, you know that in order for something to exist, it needs to be an observer to observe it. So this world right. cannot exist without observers. Right. If there is no one That's incredible. Observe, it's, if it's, there's nobody to observe it, you're saying it doesn't, it doesn't exist. exist. The matter doesn't exist. Yeah. Do you exist? Huh? So, so, so we have a fascinating idea. It's almost yeah. like... Hashem wanted to create a world. In order to do that, 
He had to create an observer. <laughs> he, he wasn't. He, <laughs> he had to literally, we become observers, and that's what makes the world the world. And that's why you actually... And if we, and if we transcend... If we transcend ourselves as being observers, we go, is it called the observatory? Uh, you know, when they have these places we observe. If we transcend that position and we, we become aligned with the source, so the whole world becomes part of infinity. Yeah. The neshama is one, and therefore, from the neshama's perspective, it's Atuhu Hashem Levadecha. There's no world. Neshama is a wave, not a particle. <laughs> By the way, why Einstein? Wave, matter, and energy. I yeah, want. Einstein made the... Pleasure to have you. It's worth the drive from Teaneck. Ah, he comes from Teaneck in the morning. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.